We have an update on Pac returning to AEW. We have the first five-star match from Dave Meltzer since the pandemic. And Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse had a shoot fight during their match on AEW Dynamite. We talk about it all next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Little news roundup for you today, and we'll start with Pac. A lot of people keep asking, Ralph, where is Pac? Where is Pac? Where is Pac? Well, they asked Tony Schiavone on the AEW Dynamite post show this past week, and he said that talks are increasing about him returning to AEW. Do you see Pac returning sooner or later? I'm going to hope that it's sooner. You know, this is this is a guy that I think was really an intricate part of the company, and they were really trying to push him and elevate him. And then all shit kind of hit the fan with this whole pandemic that we're sitting in. But as things start to open up, as travel starts to loosen, I got to think that they'll find a way to get this guy back, much like they found a way to get the rest of the talent back and working. I agree. And I think one of the key parts of the traveling being a little looser is there was a picture that went around social media either yesterday or the night before where Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Ogogo were in the Nightmare Factory which is the school that QT Marshall has. Now, Anthony Agogo is also from England. So you would think if he got from England to the United States, Pac can also go from England to the United States. So I think it's definitely sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's going to be this upcoming week or this upcoming month. Maybe they save him for the anniversary show if they can get him there. But the question now is if they can get him to return, How do they get him to return? What would be the story? I think personally, the stuff between Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers obviously will plant the seed for Pac's return involving a feud with him. I'm going to shock a lot of people here because I don't think people are going to expect me to say this, but I think because of the layout of the land in AEW right now and just considering who's in what type of feud and what's going on with certain factions... I think it's actually a tough spot for Pac to come back into the company now because there's so much investment and so much going on with various storylines. The one guy that doesn't really have a whole lot going on, unlike his counterparts in his group, is Orange Cassidy. Now, we know that there's already history there. We know that they had a match not too long ago. We know that it was actually a pretty good match. Pac did come out on top of that. Orange Cassidy did get two decisive wins over Chris Jericho. And ever since he's had those wins, and this is one of the things I've been critical about with AEW, they haven't really done much with him. He has a win over Angelico, and he has a spot where he jumped out of the trunk and punched out uh, Ortiz, I believe it was, in the street fight last Santana. week. Santana. Santana. Okay, so he punched out Santana during the street fight last week. And that's all well and good, but I'd like to see them capitalize on them getting these wins over Chris Jericho. You know, if you're going to have him go over one of the all-time greats, I just want to see him utilize better. Now, we all know I've been critical of Orange Cassidy in the past, but AEW has shown us time and time again they plan on to they plan to try and utilize him in the either the upper mid card or the main event level. And I say that because you don't just give somebody wins over a guy like Chris Jericho for no reason. Bring Pack back into the company. It could be something as simple as Pack coming out, cutting a promo, and then having Orange Cassidy interrupt him very much like the way he interrupted Chris Jericho, and you can start to build the feud from there. He doesn't have a whole lot going on right now, and I'm talking about Orange Cassidy. Pac coming back into the company with as much going on with, you know, Hager, Jericho, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, all of those guys, they all have feuds that they're kind of stuck in right now. So why not, or- why not revisit Orange Cassidy and Pac? So this upcoming Thursday, Orange Cassidy is going for the TNT championship against Brody Lee. Do you think Cassidy has a chance of winning that match? No. 
So you not think yet. Brody? Not so, yet. Not now. So Brody retains. So obviously that means the TNT championship would not be in effect if Pac comes back and does a story with Orange Cassidy. I could likely see a scenario. I mean, and this is what I'm talking about. If you're trying to start a feud and Pac comes out and, you know, jumps Orange Cassidy or causes him, causes him the match, that could be something that I see that's likely to kind of kick off this whole feud between those two. And again, that's just my opinion. That's the direction I think they could go in. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to do that and also doesn't necessarily mean that Pac is going to return. Right. Uh, as for as for Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy, I just I don't see that happening right now, especially given that Brody Lee just won that title not too long ago. And I don't know if Orange Cassidy's at that level yet. Right. But I also think that what we've seen the last couple of weeks with the promos that we've seen with Eddie Kingston and the family, you know, he has shown a lot of favoritism towards Penta, calling him his best friend. I know right now he's trying to mend the relationship of Penta and Ray Phoenix after their, you know, their loss that they had where there was an accidental Canadian destroyer on one over the other. And I think that's obviously going to play a role in this storyline where you have Pac and Ray Phoenix possibly teaming together. Then you have Penta and Kingston eventually teaming together. This leads to a tag team match, which then leads to separate singles matches of Eddie Kingston and Pac and Ray Phoenix and Penta. I just don't see why Eddie Kingston might have this relationship with Penta and Ray Phoenix without Pac being involved because of the whole death triangle thing starting before the pandemic started. I I just don't see why they don't just, they can't just drop that. There has to be some kind of connecting of the dots where AEW does a better job of doing that than WWE seems to do. So I don't see that happening. I definitely see Eddie Kingston and Pac before anything else. But the Orange Cassidy storyline revisiting that wouldn't be a bad idea either. Only time will tell. But let's move on to some very interesting news that we got here from Dave Meltzer. He gave out his star ratings for this past episode of AEW Dynamite and NXT. And he gave five stars to the parking lot brawl between Santana and Ortiz and the best friends, which we saw Orange Cassidy, as you mentioned, punch out Santana with the chains around his hand on the orange punch. I don't know about this. I I love the match. Would I give it five stars? I don't know. Would you give it five stars, Ralph? Well, it was a very good match and it was very enjoyable. Five stars, in my opinion, might be pushing it a little bit. I say that because some of the other matches in comparison in years past and even throughout this year, you know, other matches that received five stars or matches that did not receive five stars, you can certainly look at that and say, you know, there might be some type of uh, bias there or favorability. And, you know, this is something that people have talked about in the past with Dave Meltzer. So the whole five star system, if five stars is really the gold standard. And that means like if you can get a five star match, that's one of the very best, uh, very best matches of all time. Then, OK, that's fine. But too many times now, especially in recent history, he's going too too far beyond that five-star rating or applying that five-star rating to matches, I think, too easily. So I think Dave knows what he's doing here. I think that he knows that he's going to get a reaction out of certain fans when he applies this five-star rating, especially when it comes to something like this. You know that he's going to draw a reaction out of some WWE diehard fans, some certain critics of AEW, people like Jim Cornette, And that gets people talking about Dave Meltzer and his five-star rating. So I can't really fault him because in a sense, he's really just doing what most good professional wrestlers do is get themselves talked about and get themselves some 
recognition. So, I, I mean, when he started giving out bigger than the, the greater than the five stars here was really around 2017, right? And do you remember what happened in 2017? That was the first Okada Omega match. Right. So that was really the match that kind of broke the internet because it was a big deal. Somebody had gotten a six-star match, I believe it was, or yes. greater than the five stars here. Since that time, right, 2017, knowing the reaction that he was able to get out of the, the hardcore fan base and getting people talking about him, uh, 2017 alone, there was 10 matches that were rated five stars or more. 2018, 21 matches were rated five stars or more. What? 21 matches? 21, 2019, nine or more. So far in 2020, we have six matches that are five, star, five stars or greater. I mean, when you go back and look at the history of his five-star rating here, you know, 2016, four matches. 2015, three matches. 2014, rather, one match had five stars or greater. 2013, three, three matches had five stars or greater. So you see a trend here, right? When he breaks that five-star rating scale, People talk about him. Right. And the thing, the match that got him talked about the most was the Kenny Omega and uh, Okada match. And that happened in 2017. And since that time, it's like he's throwing out these five-star matches left and right. And now that would lead me to believe, you know, the work that people are doing nowadays is just that much better, which, you know, I guess that's kind of subjective. I don't agree with that. I mean, because now you're excluding some of the all-time greats who, who right. weren't capable of reaching that five-star scale rating. And you're just kind of throwing those five-star ratings out there to whoever to get a reaction, I think. And I think he knows by doing this, he's going to get a reaction out of certain fans and people will talk about him. And I think that's why he's a big part of the reason why he's doing this. I, I totally agree with a lot of what you're saying here, because when you think about it, that match had got a higher rating than Sting and Flair at Clash of Champions, than both Sean and Undertaker matches at WrestleMania then Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10 has the same rating as John Cena versus CM Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. So you got to you got to actually think about this. And I was debating this with somebody over on Twitter and they brought this up. Does he actually believe that that match is actually better than the ones I just mentioned? Does he actually believe that this parking lot brawl was better than Sting and Flair? was better than Sean and Taker, was better than Brett and Owen. By saying that he has the five stars over those, that's what he's saying. However, I thought about this a little deeper after conversing with this, this account on Twitter. Does Dave Meltzer actually have different criteria for different matches? Was this a five-star hardcore street fight? You could say that. Was it a five-star match compared to other AEW matches? You could say that. Was it better compared to other great wrestling matches in history? That's a stretch. Unfortunately, yeah. Dave Meltzer has never really revealed his criteria for what makes a five-star match. So one could assume that when he rates something five stars and another one is less, he's saying that match was better than the one that wasn't five stars. Until we get an actual criteria of what goes into a five-star match from Dave Meltzer, we're going to be debating this Basically, until we stop watching wrestling, I think. It's his subjective opinion. Do I think we need to overreact because he gave that five stars and something like Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston? Not five stars? No. 
It's his opinion, but it gets us talking. And that's ultimately what he does. And Al Snow said it best on an interview a long, long time ago. The best worker in the business is Dave Meltzer because he's the most talked about person in wrestling. He's never wrestled a match. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's my main point here. You know, I think with him breaking his own star rating, he, he knew for, I mean, and, and that's what I'm trying to get at here. These numbers kind of indicate that once he did that, it was a big deal. And, and you know what? It really was a big deal because without him giving that score to Okada and Kenny Omega and drawing the attention to that match alone, you know, cause that, that match certainly got a lot of attention. That feud got a lot of attention, uh, right after that happened you honestly might not be talking about AEW as a company right now because that was really one of the things that got the attention on those two guys because he literally went out there and said this was the best match he had ever seen. And at the time, and even now, that by, by any standard, those are great matches, all of their matches. Yep. But you can see from 2017 on to right now, it's just like, okay, five stars. Five, he's like throwing them out left and right. And you know that, that like you pointed out, Am I to assume now that the workers today are that much better than the workers, some of the all-time greats, your Shawn Michaels, your even your Chris Jericho's from the, the work that he was doing earlier on in his career, uh, The Rock, any, any of them. You can, you can compare some of the, the very best, Kurt Angles. Like guys like that really, really had to work and go out there to put on a great performance to get a five-star rating. But, you know, in my opinion... That was a very good match or good moment or segment or whatever you want to refer to it as. Right. But I mean, I think you could even debate, was that even the best match of the night? I thought Io Shirai and Shotzi Blackheart was amazing. I thought FTR and uh, Jurassic Express was also very good. And I'm sure there's other people that are going to go out there and say, you know, well, that got five stars. This got whatever rating it got. Finn Balor and Adam Cole last week was also very, uh, two weeks ago was also very good. You had Orton and Drew McIntyre earlier in this year. You know, so to go out there and just say, all right, well, that's a five-star match. Was it really, do you really think it was a five-star match? Are you saying that it's five-star so you can get a reaction out of people? And I think that's more of what we're getting here because when you compare it to the history of professional wrestling and just some of the all-time great matches, and there's a handful of them that we can go through, even Dustin and Cody, the significance of that match right? for AEW alone. I mean, is it really at that same level? I don't know. It was good. Don't get me wrong. Maybe four stars if I were to rate it. But five stars to say it was better than some of the all-time best matches. I don't know. Just just know this, though. He gave it five stars at Daly's Place. But we all know if it was in the Tokyo Dome, it would have probably been seven stars. But another match that happened on this past episode of AEW Dynamite was Thunder Rosa versus Ivalice. For the NWA Women's Championship. Now, Bifle.com, Sean Ross Sapp, is reporting that during that match, East was no-selling and led to some stiff shots and shoot fighting between Thunder Rosa and East during that match. PW Insider is contradicting that report, saying that, yes, it was stiff, but there wasn't really a shoot fight. What does this really mean be- with the relationship of Thunder Rosa and AEW, or even larger scale, NWA and AEW. Well, I think that this is definitely something that's concerning. And I think this is what happens when you try to work with interpromotional companies, right? So you have the champion of NWA coming into AEW. And when you do things like this, and when you bring in outside champions, or you bring in talent from outside from another company, sometimes people get bothered by that because they know that literally means 
they're taking away from their opportunity, right? She's coming in there as the NWA champion. She's already gone out there and had a main event, or no, I shouldn't say main event. She went out there and had a title match against uh, Sheeta. So that's an opportunity taken away from whoever, anybody within the women's division that's been with AEW. Now, you can go back and forth and argue whether that's good or bad for business, but these are the types of things that have always happened in professional wrestling. When you're bringing in outside talent or a top guy from another company, you know that you could be potentially losing your spot. And there's only so many spots, especially at the top of the mountain, in professional wrestling. Look at the history of professional wrestling. Look at the politics associated with keeping your spot, so to speak, whether it's Ben Hogan or the rumors about Cena, HBK, The Click, whoever. You see this happen time and time again. So I think what happened here, and this is just you know my opinion, I think what happened here was you brought in the NWA Women's Champion. We already know that AEW doesn't necessarily position the women's division as like the top priority for them. They don't put it on TV all of the time. So now you have the NWA Women's Champion coming into your company and you have her going over some of your talent who's been there for a majority of the time. Is that what happened here? I don't know, but it potentially could be something that is going on. And this will happen more and more the more times you bring in a top performer or a top champion from another company. And we talked about this in the past. If you were to bring in Okada and bring him over from New Japan Pro Wrestling and assuming he was a champion at the time and had him go against the AW champion, whoever that may be at the time, who goes over in that match, who decides it, and would the the actual talent be okay with that happening? So these are are tough things that will happen more and more the uh, the more that AEW tries to work with other promotions, I think. I, I agree 100% with what you're, what you're saying there. The other thing you got to take into consideration is if there's really that much animosity between the two, if there's really that big of a deal, would they really be having a match next week with them in the same match? You have Sheeta and Thunder Rosa facing off Ivelisse and Diamante. So, yep. I mean, yes, there have been plenty, like you mentioned, plenty of cases where people have hated each other and still had matches and still had great matches. Obviously, Sean and Brett, and basically Sean with anybody in the 90s. Hogan, when he was in WCW, basically throwing creative control with the NWO. I was watching Broken Skull Sessions with Jerry Lawler. He was talking about his feuds with Bill Dundee and how, in real life, they hated each other. I mean, I could go on and on with all the different situations where wrestlers hate each other backstage but still did stuff in front of the camera. As far as I know, neither Thunder Rosa or Ivelisse are signed. The AEW. So if they're having a shoot fight during a match and that could potentially hurt someone and that could potentially lead to money being lost by AEW, why would Tony Khan consider bringing them back? So I'm not saying that Sean Ross Sapp reported false information. I just think that right now, Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa are both very valuable assets to the women's division that could use the talent and that's why they're still getting put on TV and as long as they can play nice for the most part and doesn't really get too bad, it can't be any worse than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I got to agree. And especially when you consider some, like you mentioned, some of the hatred and some of the, the bad blood between some of the top talents that were able to put that aside. I mean, probably the one that comes to mind for most people is going to be Brett and Sean. Right. If they can put their their issues and their egos aside and, and work with each other and you know, depending on how you define work, because we all know what happened with the Montreal screw job. Um, Still a good match know. before the before the finish. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, they're two of the best to ever do it. Maybe they're just not five star material, but, you know, that's one man's <laughs> opinion. 
That's true. Uh, but but all of that aside, yeah, I mean, you would hope that they would be professional, but you know, it's a weird business. It's a weird industry. You hear all the time of guys trying to protect their top spot, and these types of things get talked about on many podcasts, on many interviews, these things come out years and years and years later of, oh, I was supposed to be the next guy up. I was supposed to go over the top guy and that top guy pulled his weight and threw his weight around and said, not yet. I, this is my spot. I'm the top I'm the top dog here. So there's only one guy that can be champion. Unless you're on Raw or SmackDown, then there can be two, I guess. But right. many, every, I mean, let's be honest. I think whether you're in AEW, whether you're in WWE, whether you're the heavyweight champion, whether you're the women's champion, there's really only one spot for that. So everybody's fighting for that one spot. I don't care if you're on the indie scene trying to work your way up or you're the intercontinental champion trying to get to that main event level. There can only be so many people. So there's going to be politics and there's going to be shady shit that happens all the time. Right. Now, the big question is, what does this mean for any partnership that we may be seeing between NWA and AEW? Does this hinder that? Because here's the women's champion now having conflicts with people in AEW. Do you think that breaks the partnership if there's even one right now? Or do you think they continue with what they're doing with Sheeta? Maybe bring Sheeta into NWA and then that's it. I don't think it hinders it yet because I still think to this point, AEW has a significant advantage over uh, NWA because they have... They have national TV. You right. know, they're the big, they're the big, other than WWE, they're the biggest promotion in the United States. Um, and that's not a knock on them, but they, they just are. So they know having their talent go there is going to get them a little more recognition, probably a little more eyeballs to their product, which they want. Had they been even, you know, maybe they, we, they wouldn't even be working with each other. They'd just be competing against each other. Um, so it, right now, I think that they'll continue to work together. Um, I, I, and you know, this, this is, this isn't like an interpromotional thing. Like if you were to have, you know, a, a fighter from Bellator going to UFC and if Bell, if the Bellator champion beats the UFC champion, it's, it's not legitimate. It's, it's planned and the outcomes are predetermined. So as long as there's a conversation that ha- that's probably had and contracts put in place that protect Sheeta or any of their, cha- I mean, uh, I'm sorry, that protect Thunder Rosa or any of their top champions that go there to say, look, We'll let you use our talent, but we can't have you book them into oblivion. You know, you, certain things like that probably need to happen. So I think I think they're fine in that case. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they've booked Thunder Rosa pretty much pretty well, except I wouldn't have made Thunder Rosa lose clean to Sheeta. But now that we're get, teasing a rematch, it makes a little bit more sense. But right. only time will tell to see whether or not this partnership, I put that in quotes, between AEW and NWA goes stronger or ends after this whole thing with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. But let us know what you guys think about the return of Pack. Let us know what you guys think of the five-star rating from Dave Meltzer on the parking lot brawl. And let us know what you think of Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse in their little shoot fight in the comments below. And you can also join the conversation by subscribing and hitting that bell for notifications. For Ralph Valenti, my name is Michael Valenti. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.